I find that some people, maybe quite a few, are good at creating problems where they don't even exist. And also, these younger people are getting inundated with ageist stuff all the time. And it even starts when they're little. I mean, how you look at older people and what you think they're capable of is, is kind of, you know, ingrained by the society and the culture that we live in. Now, that's changing a bit. That's changing a bit, but it's pretty slow. And uh, I think ageism is very rampant in the United States and misogyny and patriarchy. Oh, let's not go all those things. <laughs> Welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. Boomer women. Are we wise women? Are we mavens? Are we crones? Hell yeah. And we're also still curious, fun-loving, interesting, the list goes on. This podcast is for you. My guests are folk who have a message for our demographic. And if you want to hear a specific message, let me know and I'll find the guests. This podcast is also a conversation. We women know its value, we know how to do it, and we must perpetuate the art form. I try and let my guests have the greater say, and usually we fit in a good laugh or two. Listen in now to today's guest. Over the last few years, I've talked with a few people whose subject was so interesting that I divided our conversations into two or three episodes. And then there are people like today's guest who I connected with on several levels, so we kept in touch. And today, ageism. It's the last socially accepted form of prejudice. One of my pet peeves, and I recently heard a news clip that may catch my guest by surprise. We'll see. My guest feels the same way I do. We bristle at the cavalier attitude of so many people, from youth to our own generation, and thus Taru calls it rageism. I first chatted with Taru in July of 2022. Taru is a longtime advocate of NLP, and if you want to know more, the link to that conversation is on Taru's page at the podcast website. You'll see the link to our website in the show notes. I jumped on this opportunity to talk to Taru about ageism after I read her newsletter in October 2023. In that newsletter, she informs, and I quote, What is the definition of ageism? What follows is taken verbatim from the ASAs, and that's the American Society on Aging, ageism fact sheet. Ageism refers to stereotypes, how we think, prejudice, how we feel, and discrimination, how we act toward others or oneself based on age. There are many forms of ageism, including internalized ageism, how we feel about ourselves as aging people, and ageism in which older adults marginalize and discriminate against other older people. Cultural ageism, the everyday, invisible, profoundly ingrained and normalized negative messages about aging and old people embedded in TV, movies, songs, jokes, etc., Implicit ageism, the unconscious bias that includes attitudes, feelings, and behaviors toward people of other age groups that operate without conscious awareness or intention. Benevolent ageism, patronizing paternalistic beliefs or behaviors 
that older people need to be protected and taken care of by younger people because they are no longer able to make decisions for themselves. One example is elder speak. This is when an older adult is addressed as if they are much younger and can't make decisions on their own. The voice may rise to a higher pitch and simple words are used and spoken more slowly as if speaking to a child. End of that quote. When I worked in elder care, that whole elder speak behavior, everything was called infantilization. It drove me crazy then and it drives me crazy now. Today, it's a conversation between Taru and me. No notes, just a conversation. And if it turns into a rant, no apologies. Taru, that was my longest intro ever. Welcome back. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to be here with you, Agnes. It's, it was a, a pleasant, very pleasant surprise when you said, can we do this again? And yeah. No hesitation on my part. Yes, let's do it. Good, um, good. And I'm glad you read my my love letter. That's what I call them. Yes. Um, but a lot of, and as I said, a lot of it was taken from the American Society on Ageism. What what really what really does get me is that infantilization, the the languaging that you give to an older person. And if I might share a little experience that I had and how I dealt with it. Absolutely. So I have macular degeneration now, and I go see a retinal specialist for injections every six weeks or so. And there's a nurse there, uh, first time I met her, and she started that with me. I was sitting in a chair, you know, kind of vulnerable and freaking out, like always, oh, you know. And she started doing that little voice. And, uh, and I knew what she was doing. And I thought, man, I don't know what I can say to her because she's gonna, maybe she's going to stick the needle in my eye. Because I didn't know this was my first visit. I thought, well, I don't want to make her mad. She's going to poke me in the eye with a big needle. So I thought, okay. Oh, so what I did was I just started speaking up very loudly and strongly. And when she'd ask me a question, I'd, I'd answer it with this deep, bold voice. You know, I acted like I was the boss of the room. And pretty soon, she wasn't doing it anymore. I didn't consciously have to say, don't do that. It's infantilizing or it's, you know, I don't like it. I just started using a very strong energetic voice of my own and then I did something I do a lot later on as we were I was being wheeled out I was in a wheelchair because I'd broken my foot and my husband was carrying my bag and I made a joke about it's probably too heavy for the big guy and she cracked up and then she was miss friendly for the rest of the the thing and I thought you know what humor really helps too so being uh assertive kindly assertive and maybe making a few jokes seem to work. I, I will respond to that story because it, it reminds me of my parents who would never, ever say anything remotely con uh, confrontational to a professional in case it came back to bite them. And I, I guess I'm curious, is that a product of whether it's our age or the fact that it's usually about important things like your eyes or something like that. And so we really can't. And surely that person would not be that unprofessional as to say, okay, this person peed me off. I'm going to make her suffer. <laughs> you know, I don't know. There's just so many things we can go there. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's cracking me up because <laughs> I worked in healthcare. 
I was a psychiatric technician on a locked unit in Santa Clara Valley Medical Center in Santa Clara Valley, California for seven years. And I never used elder speak on anybody, although I was younger and there were some elders in there. And I, I don't know what I would have done if it was a psychiatrist that was doing that. Hmm. They have a lot of power over people in mental hospitals, <laughs> the drugs they can give you, the, you know, whatever. But I, I understand where your parents were coming from, from their day and age, because there was a, used to be, I mean, probably still is a lot of respect for professionals and doctors. And, you know, you have to really treat them with respect, but considering the way healthcare is today, I don't have those fears. I've started speaking up to my doctors. In fact, the guy who does my eyes, he comes in and you see him for about 30 seconds. Well, he says, turn your eye upward or whatever he says. And then he pokes you with the needle and leaves the room. Right? So I let that go on for three times. And then the fourth time, I needed something from him. I don't remember what. So I said something, and and I I wasn't a little misquiet and just get in and out. And pretty soon I had a real office visit and a real chair. And we were talking about should I fix my cataract on the other eye or should I not? And I think it's because I spoke up to him as a person. I didn't treat him like oh oh God I'm oh I'm bowing down to you now. You're wearing the white coat. Oh I know you must know everything. Oh and I'm so stupid. No. I'm old enough to know a lot of stuff and I'm stubborn. What I do is I research everything. Google Scholar is my friend. And uh, so if it's got to do with my body, I usually know a lot about it when I go in and talk to them because I no longer trust the medical profession to do anything much like give me drugs, especially as an older woman. And I don't take them. I won't take them. I, I got a couple of points here, and, and that might be a good place to, to go for one of them. Uh, one of my anecdotes was coming home in the car the other day, and I had a Seattle radio station on, and the radio announcer was complaining about a municipal decision as the result of a tech-ignorant boomer mayor. Now, he thought he was qualifying this by saying, oh, I know not all boomers are tech ignorant. But I got so, I mean, I had to change radio stations and I'd gone to that one because I usually like the music. But this fellow was just, I was getting angry and I thought I shouldn't be in a car in this angry. Um, but, you know, just assuming that, I mean, tech is, a, is one thing there, as you say, we go online now, so many of us. It's it's not the world of younger generations. You know, we can do our research. We are usually smart enough to make that a conversation as opposed to, yeah, well, Dr. Google says, you know, like we don't use that tone of voice usually, I hope. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just that whole condescension. Yeah. And I think elders are subjected to it in the healthcare system more than anywhere else. Mm, good point. I really, I mean, having worked in it, it wasn't as bad in the 70s when I was working in it. And I was much younger, of course. I was cute. <laughs> uh, <laughs> young and cute. So I, 
it's a, it's a, for me, it feels like a problem. If there needs to be a way to have, um, to talk to them in, in a way that they listen to you instead of dismissing you or forcing something on you that you don't really want to do using their authority as a medical person. I find, I find that actually horrifying. And a lot of elders are used to looking at them as they're the, they're the gods in the white coats and they know everything and I'll just do exactly what they say. I won't question it. I don't think that's healthy for us anymore. Yeah. I think we as wise women, men, have to question things. Have to have to not, you know, I do that to the doctors now. I had a wonderful, I still have her, gastroenterologist. She's a younger woman. She's probably in her late 30s or 40s and she's just a, a love and I had an issue that she wanted to give me all these drugs I, I had gotten H. pylori again and I know what those drugs do to me 12 years ago I had it I took the drugs I got so sick I got candida I vowed I'd never take them again so she, she said oh well what, what are you going to do and I said well I'm going to do some research I'm going to go online I'm going to go you know and I'm going to see what I can do besides that because that I'm not willing to take those drugs and I also said, I didn't make it to 80 by taking pharma all the time. <laughs> I loved it. I felt so happy after I said it. I was like, oh, boy, you were brave, girlfriend. And she listened to me, actually. And what was interesting is I had done some research because it's an allergic reaction in your esophagus called EOE, esophageal something, something, something. And so I did some research, and the research had showed that there used to be, they used to cut out six types of foods but it was really hard for people to cut out all those types of food because of this allergy so they did some research and they found that the main culprit was was milk everything else was minor just barely so i found that out when i was talking to her i said well shouldn't i have some allergy tests to see if i'm allergic to food substances or something like that and she said, uh, yeah, you probably should. I said, well, you do know that I found a research subject. And I told her that same story. And she said, oh, yeah, I, I knew about that. I know about that study. And I thought to myself, then why the hell didn't she ask me, are you drinking a lot of milk? Or do, if she knows about the research study, why is her first call to action pills and antibiotics? Why not say, oh, let's see what your lifestyle is doing. And that taught me a valuable lesson too, because I used to would have just given in. I, I gave in 10 years ago, oh, I'll take them, uh, I'm scared. Um, but then I decided, no, I have to stick up for myself. Nobody else is gonna do it. If I don't do it, who will? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's just the medical field. I still do some companion work with elder women. Okay. They are in their late 80s and early 90s yeah. and I find that if I am in the actual appointment with them, as opposed to just delivering them and taking them home again, oftentimes the professional will talk to me. And I have to give them this look of like, really? And I point out that the patient is in fact this 92-year-old woman who is still living semi-independently and taking care of her own issues. So... Don't tell me I'm okay being an extra set of ears for her, but like I, I talk to her, you know, it's uh, yeah, so frustrating. I, I've heard of that before, 
and it really annoys the hell out of me because just because you're when I was in my wheelchair it was a very interesting experience it was very frightening at first to be in a wheelchair and I and normally I'm not I'm running around doing things and I thought well must all these people feel like that are in them all the time and I, I always do that. I, I kind of go put myself in the other person's shoes or something to see what would that be like, you know. And and I thought, well, I'm lucky that I speak up when, you know, what the doctor, something with that, my foot, I had to speak up about that as well. I didn't let them just buffalo me into doing what they wanted to do. I got what I needed. But if they don't speak to the 92-year-old person in the wheelchair and they talk to someone else who's not you and smart, then they're out of the picture entirely. Where's their voice? They deserve to have a voice. Well, and, and I think to assume that yeah. they are too decrepit or whatever the term might be to understand. Like if, yeah. if, if that person, if the elder were to say, like even put a hand on my leg and say, are you remembering all this because I don't get it or something. Like if, if there was some reference to not right. understanding, then fine, you know, yeah. but just yeah. to assume yeah. yeah, just to assume their age and their physical condition. So, the other place that I get ticked off because I am really tech savvy where I'm tech savvy. And then there are a whole bunch of areas of tech that I'm not savvy. And so, in earlier years, when I was buying a new cell phone, for example, the people at the store, they talk a mile a minute and it's all tech talk. And I have said on numerous occasions, excuse me, <laughs> I cannot hear as fast as you talk. So if you want me to understand, you have to slow down and then you have to give me the opportunity to ask a question too. And it usually goes over okay, but I just get so frustrated. And and maybe that is a product of aging insofar as I cannot listen as fast as I used to be able to. I can still talk a mile a minute. But, <laughs> but when I'm dealing with my older clients too, I tend to slow my, my speech down a wee bit. Um, and that's not infantilization. That's just because I know for sure they're going to say, what? <laughs> so I find, I find that one of the things that happens too is there is a certain level of more forgetfulness. It, it happens because now my analogy for it is my brain is a library. I've been filling it with books for 81 years. And oftentimes when a new book wants to get in the library, it's already taken. I have to wait until I remove the other book because I don't want to live in fear of forgetfulness. Studies I've read, we do get a little bit more forgetful as we age. Part of it is stress. If there's stress in our life, stress will cause forgetfulness. There's no two ways about it. It's really proven scientifically. And I just, I just learned to not let it bother me and to move on and to move on to another subject. And sometimes it comes back and I go, oh, wait a minute, here it is, you know, because otherwise we make a big problem out of it and then it will create, it'll create stress. Yeah. We made it a problem. Okay. Stress. Okay. Now I can't remember more because I'm stressed out because I can't remember. Oh, now I'm really stressed out because so there's no point to it. Yeah. 
it's like taking a breath. I have a similar analogy, and I say uh, the memory banks are full. They are taking no more deposits today. And, and I'm good at writing things down. Now, I write everything down. I think that started when I had three kids and a four-column calendar. It was like, I cannot be keeping track of all these lives. If you don't write it in, you, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> yes. That's interesting because I uh, do a mastermind every Wednesday with some other women that are older. or One is much younger, but and one of them sells journals and all kinds of stuff. They're really cute. And the thing she was talking about yesterday was a, a desk pad uh, that you that that has places for you to make notes and write and do all this stuff because it turns out that all three of us continually make little notes and leaves in places like stickies or oh gosh there's this piece of paper I'm not going to use it anymore I'll write all my notes on here and oh and and so their desks end up full of notes and all kinds of stuff so this gal she wants to uh, sell people the desk pad that you write on the desk pad so you don't have notes everywhere and i said that'd be good but i got no room on the top of my desk <laughs> either desk i have two desks <laughs> and i was gonna buy one from her because it seemed like a phenomenal idea and then i thought geez i, have to, I don't have a desk that it'll work on <laughs> well all my sticky notes it depends on the, the priority because yeah. the really important ones go on the front of my laptop here because I have an external uh, keyboard. So they're right there. Um, mm -hmm. if less important ones might go on my day timer or over here beside my mouse. You know, so. Yes, we have a system. And it's right. good we create systems that we can work with. Perfect. <laughs> okay, here's the incident that I mentioned in the intro. There is apparently a trend on TikTok amongst the 20 to 21-year-olds who berate the late 20-year-olds, so the 28, 29-year-olds, as being old. Did you know about that? No, but they should be so lucky. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, like a lot of these TikTok people, they got huge followings. If they I think know. a 29 year old is old and you're already in your twenties. So like 28 is in, in sight, it's in the crosshairs. But if that's old, either, what does that do for your own self-esteem of like, Oh my goodness, I'm 27 and I'm going to be old next year. Or what does it do about their view of a 60, 70, 80, 90 year old? Oh, they probably think we're already in the coffin and just peeking our head out and they'd like to shut the lid. <laughs> You know, I don't go on TikTok. Yeah, I don't either. Because of things like this that I hear. It seems so sublimely silly that I don't have time to engage in it. Even Instagram sometimes is a stretch for me, but there are some people on there that I really like and I, I like what they, what they share. So, uh, yeah, I'm included. I, I like what I do. But I hope it's a passing fad. This is what I hope, because this is ridiculous. I feel like they must be so damn insecure that, that they have to put down somebody else, and they've picked on the little bit older than them. They sound like the mean girls in high school. Yeah. That's silly. Yeah, yeah, as I say, I was, once again, driving in the car, radio station on, and I'm going like, are you serious? <laughs> 
Um, well, wait till they're 30. I, I'd like to see them on TikTok when they're 30 and how they're managing their elderly, their elder years. <laughs> well, as I say, though, just even for, and I guess it's not the people who are doing it so much. That, I mean, that drives me crazy, but I, I am concerned for their followers. Because if they embrace those attitudes, and, and apparently there's a lot of that going around. <laughs> well, we'll have to keep an eye on that, Agnes. I mean, I don't know. I would hope that as people got older, they'd get a little wiser. I think when you're in between 20 and 30, your wisdom hasn't, for the most part, hasn't uh, hit you yet. You're figuring yourself out. And maybe... Here's just a flash. They're so afraid of aging that they have to do that so that they feel okay. I, and that's the only thing that comes to me. Why in the world would you pick somebody who's seven or eight years older than you or five or whatever as being old? It's kind of mental health issue as far as I'm <laughs> Yeah, and I find the, and I guess I notice it now as I get older, I'll hear something on the radio I listen to a lot of talk radio I'll hear something like that or something in the news and it's like I've lived through this before I have that history and so either this too will pass or maybe you should research this other incident or whatever uh, but you know it's that fine line between maturity and just having the history so that you know that this has happened before. Or you can give an extra reference. I've done that on occasion. I've reached out via Twitter or whatever to trying to get hold of the person saying, oh, you know, I heard this article that you did. Did you ever know about this and that? And I, I've always had a good response. I'm like, oh, no, I'll, I'll look into that. Thank you. That's good. So now the other thing that I hear a lot is, oh, my God, you're 70? You don't look a day over, I don't know, some random age. And it's like, okay, that and 60 is the new 40. No, 60 is 60, 70 is 70. This is what a 70-year-old looks like these days. This is what an 80-year-old looks like these days. You know, we are still thinking, moving, vital human beings. So get used to it. That's an old attitude, like in high school. Somebody didn't look like you, right? Oh, she's different. She's got a pug nose or she. We always look for the differences instead of the similarities and how we're alike and how we can help each other. It's kind of a, it's sad to me, actually. It's quite sad. We, I think sometimes mm -hmm. too, what I was going to say is oftentimes age isn't even part of the discussion the equation it just doesn't figure in they've made it a thing yeah. yes and, yeah well i find that some people maybe quite a few are good at creating problems where they don't even exist and also these younger people are getting inundated with ages stuff all the time and it even starts when they're little i mean how you look at older people and what you think they're capable of is is kind of you know, ingrained by the society and the culture that we live in. Now that's changing a bit. That's changing a bit, but it's pretty slow. And uh, 
I think ageism is very rampant in the United States and misogyny and patriarchy. Oh, let's not go all those places. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, too, there's a certain, I won't say it's a weight, but a responsibility for us now as we age to to really demonstrate that we are not our grandmothers. My grandmother was in the rocking chair at age 65. Yeah. So be it. Lifespan or lifespans were shorter. People did not have that whole view of, you know, like I'm going to live forever. So what am I going to do for the next 110 years? Well, I'm just joking. No, but like, even if we live to a hundred, we still have decades to go. So you know, we really need to get that idea across that we do not necessarily get into the rocker at age 65. We can be starting new businesses. We can be jumping out of planes. We can be, you know, going into war zones, all sorts of things, because we can. That, that brings up something interesting for me. I belong to a, uh, I joined a program called Home with a woman named Simone Soule. And she's younger. She must be in her 40s, 30s. I can't tell. She's a Korean guy. She is one of the most brilliant people I have ever seen. And I have learned so much. I got rid of perfectionism thanks to her. It took me 80 years, but I got rid of perfectionism. And I was on a coaching call. She does a lot of things. Really worth it. And uh, she does a group coaching call. And then you can ask questions. So I hadn't been getting a whole lot of traction with my with my coaching and a lot of things have gone on in my life. I can't push myself the way I used to. There's a lot of external circumstances when you get older that you have to deal with. That's just the way it is. So I spoke up. I raised my little hand on the Zoom and I said, "Okay, I'm I'm just I'm just wondering, you know, I'm teaching on aging and I'm, you know, and you know if if you're already 80, I don't don't talk to me because you made it there. I'm talking of younger women. We really need younger women to wake up to the fact that they have things to share. And, uh, you know, and I was going on and I, and I said, but I think it's cause I'm, you know, blah, 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 blah. and she goes, she's really animated. She goes, have you looked at the faces out there on the zoom? And I said, no, she says, well, look at them. And, and I went, Oh, and there were all these, these faces of younger women smiling. And then they were putting in the chat. True. Take my money. Uh, things like that, you know, or, oh, you're a leadership skill. Oh, thank you. And they are, they were in their 30s or 40s or something. Some She attracts all ages. The majority of her people, I think, are 40 below. And, uh, and then she, she said, you know, what you have to do is you just have to be yourself. And she said, I, I think you need to do video because you're so funny. And I think you could, you know, you would inspire a lot of people. And so that kind of broke me out of the, I can't blame my age on things now. Like, because when I spoke to them, they were like, and I thought, oh, good. And one of them who said, take my money, I had a call with yesterday. I just a free, the thing I, I put out about call a crone, which is free. Okay. And, it, and we had the most fun for an, for 45 minutes. And she was wonderful. And she said, put me on your list when you get your group of six. I said, I will. She said, because I said, I only want to do a group of six. Yeah. And, uh, and she was a sweet little coach, just, just starting out. 
her mama had just passed away and she was going through stuff and we got we had a real great conversation i wasn't trying to sell her anything I wasn't at all. I'm not doing that anymore. I, I hate it. I've hated marketing since I started coaching 20 years ago. So I won't do it anymore. And that's why I put out my call a crone program, which is just call me up. We'll, we'll have a conversation. You can do what you want. We're just going to talk. Kind of like this. Yeah. yeah. It, it's funny how so many times as soon as like a, a younger person does get to see you in action. You know, you're funny, you crack jokes or like whatever. You are just another human being with more experience. Then they do open up. And and I really, th I just realizing now that I do really appreciate my daughters who are in their late 30s, who never hesitate to just say, mom, what's your take on this? You know, they're not necessarily, they won't necessarily take my advice or anything else, which is fine because they're not asking for advice. They're just asking for my take. And, you know, so as long as we all just let go of the investment, uh, you know, it works just fine and it opens up lines of communication and you've got this lovely young person in your life now. And yeah, and she's, I want to read something to you. Give me a minute. Here. Okay. If you don't mind... I would like to read you a few of the comments of the younger women that were there. And I was so moved by them. I printed out the thing and highlighted the ones and I thought, oh, good. The, the youngsters aren't seeing me an old, as an old hag that should just be put out to pasture. So the one that I talked to yesterday said, Taru, take my money, sign me up. And then someone else said, yes, so grateful for your leadership, Taru. And then the next one said, when I see a healthy elder, I always have questions. And the other says, what you're talking about, I call that longevity, and it's a hot topic in health and wellness right now. And the last one, well, a couple more. I want to be a healthy elder and would love to have someone to look up to because they are not in my family, LOL. <laughs> and then the last one says, yes, Taru, we need you. Yes, it's so needed. So I felt wonderful after reading those comments, like they were able to hear me as a human being and not just an old lady, you know, trying to, and um, I just felt like, oh God, there's hope for the world. The youngsters are, you know, they wanted to participate. Cause I said a bunch of stuff about becoming leaders, you know, in the world, be be become leaders. Yeah, We need you. Um, the younger women, we're not going to be around forever. So we need you to step up. So, yeah. One of, my catch, one of my catchphrases is, at my age, I am never going to change the world. And I'm okay with that. Part of that's energy. Part of that's yeah. screw it. But I want to be a role model. And I think our generation should be a role model for the next generation of women who will change the world. Yes. They have the time. And actually, that's how I started my coaching call, well, coaching with uh, Simone. She was talking about it could take up to 10 years to do a good business if you do it, you know, with heart and not with lead magnets and all that crap. And I so I spoke up and I said, well, I, I don't have 10 years. 10 years, I'll be 91. I said, I got to get on it now. You know, and then, and then we went off on this thing and, and that I wasn't looking for older women to work with because by that 
you know, by my age, most older women are kind of in their in their groove, right? Their groove. So I, it was so lovely to see the younger women actually wanting more wisdom and more insight and to make a difference because they're the ones that'll do it. I'm also going to challenge you to a certain point, though, insofar as I find that the more I get going and I love my podcast and the more I do, the more I want to keep on doing. So it could be that, you know, by the time you're 84, 85, you've got all sorts of more plans that are going to take you to 89. And at 89, you're going to say, oh, look, at I've just completed another decade. What am I going to do in my 90s? You know, so, uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I have to really, what I've learned really well working with her and for myself is to be very respectful of my energy. Oh, yeah. no, agree Very respectful of when I need to rest. I take a nap every day since I was 55 for 20 minutes in the afternoon at 2 o'clock. And I've read now that's really great for you. But I don't know if I will want to do that as I as I go on. We have a lot of responsibilities here with a, with a home and a husband that has two uh, illnesses and me with my own stuff. We were looking at our schedule yesterday and this doctor visit, bone density, eye injection. Uh, you know, it's like spending so much time on this stuff. Let's spread it out. Let's spread it out. So it will depend for me on how well I manage to take care of myself now. And that's why I don't want to have several thousand followers and, and, and people paying me like Simone does. I couldn't take care of them. It would not be possible for me to yeah. do all that. Yeah. But, but, you know, if you get more responses, like from those younger women. Yes. Mission accomplished to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And and like I said, this one gal that, that said, take my money. She said at the end of the call, she said, well, when you, you know, I want to be on your list to be a part of the six, you know, she said, let me know when we're ready. And that was very comforting to me. Very, uh, it felt really good because I, you know, I, everybody around here in New Mexico that I interacted with, thought I wanted to work with 80 year olds. And I didn't know they had that in their brain until I was at a networking lunch. And they said, well, there's not that many 80, I said, 80 year olds. I'm not looking for more 80 year olds. If you've made it to 80, you've made it. Okay, you don't need me. I'm talking to the younger ones because you got to start younger with your health, with your mental attitude. You got to start younger, or you won't make it to eighty. And, and there's certain areas where you plan ahead when you're in your forties. Yes, yeah, that you might re not realize at forty. You just realize that at sixty that you should have done it at forty. Yeah, should have done so, it. At 40. Yeah, so you can pass that that knowledge on yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Plan for the, you know, do this, do that, whatever. <laughs> One place I do want to go with you is what we say to and about ourselves that's ageist. And I'm going to admit that a year ago summer, uh, my car was backed into by a young woman. My car was parked. And when I phoned the insurance company, they took the information and basically said, it's a write-off. The car is a write-off. And I'm going, it's a dent in the door. And he, they gave me the reasons why it was a write-off. And I pulled the age card. And I said, I am a senior citizen. How am I supposed to afford a new car? 
because of course what they give you for the car is like next to nothing and it was like i've said a dozen times i cannot believe that i played the age card i mean it got me what i wanted oh i think we need to agnes oh okay we need to we do because it's true as we get older and our, our sometimes our resources are diminished and I believe we've been around a long time. We've contributed to society and that we deserve some breaks. And if we have to say that I'm X and such and I, I deserve a break, I, I'm okay with that because it's true. That's how I feel about it. Now, the one I don't like is what I did the other day. I saw an older lady and I thought, oh, that she's glad I'm not like that. And I went, wait a damn minute, girl. That's unconscious ageism. Make it conscious. But we do, we get those attitudes from society and we get them from one time we're little till we're bigger. That aging is a problem. Aging is scary. Don't age. You know, wear this kind of clothes, do this. We're dealing with a cultural phenomenon that we have to fight at every turn or, you know, maybe not fight. That's too hard a word. But... Rage. <laughs> yeah. So you were right to use it. You deserve respect. Thank you. It did get me what I wanted. Like I said, they figured That's out right. they could fix my car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other thing, and it just came to me as you were talking there, is, you know, there's this whole social thing about old people. And as long as you've got gray hair or a few lines on your face or something, you must be old and nearing decrepitude. <laughs> Did any of the 30 and 40 year olds learn that growing up with us? Well, television. I get, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. What media? Yeah, the media. Um, and I was reading a book, Ageism Unmasked. And it was rather shocking to me because I never realized how young people get ageist but it's from their families and from society and from what you see on television and what you see in the movies and what you see on social media, like the TikTokers. It gets inculcated in, into our psyche. And instead of saying, no, that's not going to happen to me, it's like, oh, okay, I guess I'm old now. Well, maybe I can't do that now. I don't know. Yeah. I, I won't buy it. If I can't do it, I won't do it. I will one, take care of myself. But one thing I find myself doing with the grandchildren is because I know people who say, oh, grandma can't do that. She's too old. I never, ever say that. If I'm trying to get up or get down to the floor, it's mm -hmm. like, give grandma a moment. Grandma's knee is just not what it used to, you know, like it's grandma's knee gives her a hard time. So I'm getting there. And yeah. so it's just about yeah. the knee. It's not about my age. Right. You know, that I, sort I, of thing. That's a good way to deflect it because it is true. I mean, people younger than you have a problem with their knee. I mean, football players have a problem <laughs> with their knees. But it, it's so often attached to age that it makes it makes it hard. Yeah, and and when we give them that message ourselves, mm -hmm. then they decide that even though you know we're still climbing the mountain every Saturday morning, we must be old because. We can't get up and down. And I'd like to, I just had a flash on that. Say, yeah, I'm so lucky. I am lucky to be this age. 
I've got to experience so many wonderful things. Some things weren't wonderful, but you know what? I'm still here. I'm still doing things. I hope you're as good as me when you get my age. I would turn the thing around on him. <laughs> my my <grandson laughs> Agnes really had to think about that one. I can no, see I'm just, my my grandson said to me recently, Grandma, like we're driving. I love driving with the kids. Loved driving with my own kids because there's no eye contact, so it's really easy to talk. And he said, Grandma, can I tell you something? And I said, of course you can, honey. And he said, I want to talk to you about it because I can't talk to mom about it. And I went, okay. And, and I guess the way I said, okay, I mean, I, I always get concerned when that comes up because I don't like having secrets from my kids about their kids. And he said, I think mom would just get all upset. He said, you never really seem to get upset you just listen and and you know what he went on to tell me is you know there's no great rush <laughs> you know it's it's not a big deal in the hopefully in the scheme of things I mean it, it might become a big deal 10 years up the road but it isn't right now um and and I just thought yay for that because I know I often reacted with my own kids but if I've grown into a person who can listen to my grandchildren such that they feel comfortable coming and telling me all sorts of things or asking me questions that they're not sure they want to ask their parents, then, you know, by the same token, I've been known to take my daughter aside and say, okay, this was a conversation in the car today. <laughs> and, and I was really <laughs> honest with your kid. So <laughs> be aware that they know this, this, and this. <laughs> so. Ooh, Agnes, what did you say? <laughs> that sounds a little scary, girl. No, no, just all practicalities okay. of life. <laughs> right. so. Well, I think it's good that, that grandchildren have a grandma to talk to and to bounce things off of because you're not so intimately attached on a day-to-day -day basis with everything that goes on. And, and that they feel safe enough with you to talk to you and tell you that kind of stuff. And then I'm sure you have wisdom to give back to them. Um, I think it's good, actually. Yeah, I yeah. And I guess I wish that on every 40 or 50-year-old parent is, you know, like so often how you react to your kids is, it's not even about whatever's going on with your kid. You know, you've got stresses at work, you're, you're tired, you're, the budget's too tight this month, whatever. And so, you know, you just blah on top of the kid when it's, yeah. you know, whereas by the time you're this age, it's just like, <laughs> what's well, important? I'm, I'm wondering if that isn't what grandmas and grandpas are for. Well, I would think so, but it's not always so. No, it's not always so. No, but for the few of us that are <laughs> wonderful people, <laughs> I think it's good to have another person in your family that isn't with you day to day to see all your foibles. You know, what did little Randy do today? You don't know any of that really, To you know, or not much. And so you can be more distant from the whole problem. You can see it from a, you know, a bird, more of a bird's eye view instead of an intimate day-to-day -day struggle. <laughs> anyway. Oh, dear. Okay, so you use the word crone. Yeah. I love that word. 
it just reeks of wisdom and time and age and all that stuff. Yep. I use it because I'm proud of being older and I'm proud of the things I've learned. Um, they were not easy to learn. Many of them were terrifyingly traumatic. But I'm still here and I learned a lot from it. And um, there is a wonderful Facebook group it used to be called the gathering of crones. And then the woman who ran, it got so many people in it. She couldn't deal with it anymore. She got like 28,000 people in it. And now they're, they've got the name. What? They've got a weird name because you can't change it for a certain period of time. I don't know. It's weird. So it was something about crone, old crone women's club or something. And, and most, most of the, us on there don't like it, but there's wonderful relationships being formed and people sharing where they live, what their hobbies are. Do they work? Do they don't work? Do they crochet. I mean, and uh, some, you know, there's, of course, with any group, there's little stuff. But for the most part, these are older, wiser women and they act like it. Yeah. Huh. So I have to get I'm, that link from you. <laughs> huh? I'll have to get the link from you. Yeah. Well, let me write it down. Okay. Right. Uh, home group to Agnes. Yeah, I wrote it down. <laughs> and put it on the front of your laptop. <laughs> yeah, I got it sitting right here, girl. It's going to go on. Oh, it's going to go on the Apple. That's, that's the, the choice spot. Ooh, on that now I feel just so excited. Okay, so you, where does your feelings, your work around ageism go now? Like, are you, what? what is this group of six that you, you want to develop? Okay, well, it's going to be a group coaching program, and it's going to have two modules. Each module can be purchased separately. The first one is about health and wellness, and it involves both physical and mental health and how we take care of our bodies so that we reach an older age, how we start to respect and what we need. And then the second one is more about transitions that, you'll, that you face as you get older. And there will be some living alone. I have a, a coach I know that works with women who live alone. And I'd like to have her come and talk to our group. And because I'm not an expert on living alone, I have a husband. I'll come so. I love living alone. I love it. <laughs> and some women it's hard for, you know, they've just lost a spouse they've had for 50 years or 40 years or whatever. And then, and then there's end of life planning and finances. And so that's like the first module is all about staying healthy mentally and physically. And there are different lessons in it. So we're going to go through those topics. And also I'll, I will provide an initial quite long coaching session on limiting beliefs about aging. I have a wonderful NLP thing that goes into that. And you finish the sentence and it's pretty powerful what comes out. It was in one of my newsletters. You might have read it. It was at the bottom. And it was what are your, your ideas about aging or beliefs? And it was finish the sentence. And there were about 12 of them there. And I don't know if anyone had the guts to do it or not, but <laughs> I put it in anyway. So first things first, we will be we will be going to the beliefs because they're the heart of everything. What we believe is what we're going to get, and we don't need to get bad stuff. And then I will be doing probably a once a week group, and I will also do an individual session for each of the group members maybe once a week, maybe twice a month. I'm not sure. Those those details have not come forward for me. But it's going to be very supportive. I want the women in it to really care about one another and be present and be sharing what their wisdom as well. 
And if they're younger, then they'll get wisdom from the olders. And if the olders need a younger wisdom, you know, we'll, we'll trade off. We'll give each other whatever we've got. And um, to me, it's important. It's important for women to band in community. I'm just glad you're moving forward with it. and You're not just sitting still and ranting. Uh, you may be doing that from time to time, but, but you're I rant also... all the time. No. <laughs> yeah, well, no. me too. Daily. <laughs> <laughs> I set aside time for it. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> no, I want to do something. You know, I don't want to just put rageism out. Yeah. I want to create women who then will go out and help other people, other women with their aging. But I can only do it. I really realize six people at a time. That's it. My it's my my energy limit. Yeah, I call it bandwidth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are are you still doing NLP? And also, here's something that our audience doesn't perhaps know or remember: a medical cannabis educator. Yes, that's uh, that's part of the course, the health and wellness for women. It will be medical cannabis use for women as they get older. Uh, it's good for menopausal symptoms. There's a lot of things it's good for, and I continue to study it. I go to a webinar once a month, and I have access to an entire library of conditions that it can te uh, treat and how, you know. No, I I was, it's interesting because I've, I've recently had two people want that kind of education, one for her husband and the other for herself. And um, I haven't been putting it out a lot because I've been learning so much with Simone. I've been using this time to really lose my perfectionism and to slow down and to be thoughtful and like this thing with colocrone it just really speaks to me i just love it and from there if people are interested they can get back in touch like this one gal put me on your list for the six and because i like her so much and i think she'd fit she's on my list so i'm 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 taking names <laughs> I'm thinking to something along the lines, sort of variations on a theme, but that whole call a crone, you know, for older women living alone, if there's yeah. something they're passionate about or know a lot about or something, what a great way to socialize completely safely. Yeah, really. You know? Oh, I just, I just had an idea. You can't talk to me like that because now i've got another idea <laughs> right shiny objects but <laughs> i could create a database of call across there you go i'm i'll i'll help you out with that it could be a direct listeners this is how ideas are born and <laughs> all right i guess we've got our next job agnes there you go Not, neither of us are busy enough <laughs> yeah. where do we find you on the world wide web um, uh, the website is 80%. Um, I don't have a couple of pages up, which I'm working on this month. And you are on social. I am on social. Good. I have um, your, your website on another monitor here. So in case you're wondering yeah, what I'm doing. Got everything on my, on my website, all my social stuff is linkable. It's, it's linked there. I am writing on Substack. I just started that about two months ago. Oh, okay. I like Substack a lot for the, for the writing, but I don't have much time to write right now for that because I, I really want to get this moving. Like I said, in 10 years, I'll be 91. I don't know if I want to be doing this then. I don't know. <laughs> Sitting on, I don't know, in a recliner on a beach somewhere. I might, giving yeah. orders. 
Yeah. Oh, giving orders. That sounds good. Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you want mid-age women to consider to think about? Well, I would like to read a part of a paragraph from the Ageism Unmasked book that I'm kindling right now. I think this is really, really good. So here it is. To be anti-ageist is to recognize aging as an opportunity. This begins with the admission that aging itself is not a problem and old people are not a burden. Instead, ageism is a self-made obstacle to a rich and vibrant aging, aging experience. So the aging isn't a problem, but ageism is a self-made obstacle. Yeah, that self-made. I think we really, you know, we, we get enough of it externally, which yeah. we need to put our oh, yeah. hand up, you know, talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. Yeah. And then also really catch ourselves as I work really hard at doing, making sure that it's not ageism coming out of my own mouth about me. Right. About me, about someone else, about anything. Yeah. And I really like that. That struck me. I'm only on page, I'm only in 27% through this book. But I saw that right before I called. I thought, that's right. Aging is an opportunity. There we go. Okay, leave that pregnant pause. <laughs> okay, as always, your website link is in the show notes. All the okay. links are on your page at our website. Listeners, if you have thoughts on today's show, please talk to us. If you're our age, tell us what you've experienced, perhaps your pet peeves. Leave comments where you're listening, or if you're listening at the Boomer Woman's podcast at boomwithabang.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and talk to us there. Or what did Taru and I not talk about? Do you have an ageism pet peeve or something like that? Share it in the comments and we'll address it. Any excuse to come back on and talk to you, Taru. Leave stars and reviews where you can. They help us grow. And share this episode. We started by telling you ageism was the last allowable, socially acceptable form of prejudice. We all find it somewhere or other. We need to form a united front to squash it. Tara Fisher, thank you for being my guest today and helping me rant about this so very frustrating issue. We'll get there. All right. I loved it. And I always enjoy talking to you, Agnes, and listening to the podcast that you produce. So thank yeah. you for having me as a guest. No, it's such a pleasure. Have a great rest of the week. You too.